On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. Good evening, good evening. I'm William Hosea. Welcome once again to Bring It On, a multiple award-winning show celebrating over 13 years as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting African Americans. And good evening, I'm Jennifer Crossley. In today's broadcast, you'll also hear about events of importance for African Americans in Bloomington from Rafi Hassan, Director of the Office of Safer Civil Cities. All in the next hour on Bring It On. And let me be the first to announce that uh, this is Jennifer's first co-anchoring assignment on Bring It On. So Jennifer, welcome to the family. Thank you. You got your eyes on CNN already. Yep. Huh? <laughs> And with that, regarding tonight's show, Indiana State Police Captain Ruben Marte, a frequent guest, has worked extensively to improve police and community relations. He's also worked down here in Bloomington. He has hosted workshops for civilians as well as conducted numerous training sessions for Indiana State Police cadets and seasoned rank and file members. All of his efforts have been aimed at creating a greater understanding of the complexities of what it means to protect and to serve. A repeat guest on Bring It On, Captain Marte provides a fresh and disarming approach toward engaging community conversation on what could possibly be tense and unsettling topic. Tonight, we have invited him for an extensive conversation to discuss, among other topics, a culturally sensitive training series he's designed specifically for state police troopers. And with that, Captain Marte, welcome to Bring It On. Thank you for having me. Can we can you, can we call you? Well, let me back it up. I know I can call you Ruben. Absolutely. Because I did it before. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, please, okay. Ruben. Great. Okay. Great. So, uh, Ruben, why don't you... Uh, unpack this for us, this cultural sensitivity training you've been doing. Just walk us through it, if you will. Let me start from the beginning. Roughly back in 2014, um, I was approached by uh, our superintendent and my new, brand new boss back then, and, and they explained to me that they wanted me to put together a training, cultural awareness training for all our troops. So I kind of had a good idea how I wanted to approach this, uh, I went out, I was trying to find something off the shelf that I didn't have to work too hard and rewent the wheel. But as I'm doing that, I'm thinking to myself, I was trying to think back when I was growing up in the South Bronx, how, how I was treated by the police and w what would I want them to know about me? So I decided I needed to really actually build this from the ground up and I received multiple trainings. And to be honest, now that I look back at that, I, I, I'm glad I did it that way because I knew what not to do as opposed to where actually focus all my energy at. So as I'm putting that program together for the troops for the police side, then a thought came to me, okay, if I truly want this to be understood by the officers, then I'm thinking, why not do the exact same thing for the community? So I put a separate program together for the community. For the police side, it takes about six hours of training. On the community side, uh, if they're willing, it takes about three. And what I learned was in the process, and I keep in mind, this started back in 2014. What I learned was that we have a lot in common when you actually put the motions to, to rest to the side. Now, don't get me wrong. A lot of the things that I hear on both sides is very legitimate. It's, 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 it's uh, 
people experiences, you cannot just disregard that. So part of the process is let people tell you how they really feel. Don't be thin-skinned because you're going to hear things that, you know, and, you, and I ask them, be out front with me. So we could put everything on the table and to have an honest discussion. Now, one of the things that I walk away with that we talk about on both different uh, uh, programs is what do we want in common? What do we have in common as far as, and, and the main thing is traffic stops. And I tell them, the officer side, I tell them flat out that the big elephants in the room we're going to discuss about, you know, in the black community, the fear is pretty straightforward. Fear of white officers killing young black men. And we, we, we tackle that. The audience could be depending on the graphic of where it is. Uh, for example, if I'm, if I'm speaking somewhere, I don't know, down south somewhere, Evansville, let's say, and not to single out Evansville, the majority of the officers down there are white. If I'm speaking up in Gary or Lowell, you got a good mixture of Latinos, blacks, and white. So the discussion might turn in certain direction depending on the graphic of, of the makeup of the audience, which is good. However, at the same time, when I talk to the, the, the community, the majority are black people, okay? Now, there are some white people in the audience as well, but the majority are black. And, and I tell you, when, when, when we talk to uh, the black community, it could be anywhere between 13 to 80 people in the room. And it's a very intense conversation. And that's okay. I, I need to hear that. I need them to express to me exactly what they feel. Uh, but I think what I have little unique is that I experience what they're talk, referring to so I can understand so what I like to do what I try to do the best that I can is actually try to have a common ground which there is unfortunately sometimes the media does not portray that but there is so on the police side we discuss we we discuss culture we discuss stereotypes because labels uh, implicit biases uh, racial profiling fear of the police prejudice and discrimination I mean, we hit those topics and we hit them hard. And by the end of the training, uh, normally on the majority side, I get a lot lot of, uh, uh, I really understand that that's the way we were viewed by uh, a person of color. Wait, wait, what what was that again? I didn't really understood or realize or understood that I was being viewed a certain way by uh, the black community. Uh, some of the things that I we, we for example, one of the things that I show them in the beginning of the training is the Freedom Riders, and explain to them what the Freedom Riders, the students experienced at the hand of the police. So, some of the things that they see they didn't know, they didn't have a clue. Uh, so we touch on those things and we discuss it, and then we answer questions. And at times, you know, you the, the discussion is heated, but that's okay. That's nothing wrong with that. At the end of the day, we want to find something in common, and that's what we shoot for. So um, what was the most impactful uh, thing that you took away from the community and from police? Something that you did not know, something that kind of opened your eyes. Wow. I'm trying to think because I've been doing this since 2014 until now. Oh, wow. Now, you realize if you can't answer that, that means you know everything. Right? No, no, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I'm not going to say that at all. But, but what, I, I, what, what I, surprised I, you the most about what the you, community was telling you and what the police were, were telling you? Well, one, one thing surprised me that I heard on the community side that, that it was a – I knew there was anger. Yeah. But I didn't realize anger to the point of some of the things that I heard on the civilian side. Um. I, one statement that was said is that 
the police always get paid to die. And that struck me. It was I'm thinking to myself, wow. I mean, I, I, I get the anger. I, I, I've, I've, I've been, yes, that's, that was actually. What was that person's point? The, the, on the civilian side, I tried to try to put them on the policeman's shoes <clears throat> and try to see from a different way of viewing what we do. Mm-hmm. Because it's very difficult for a person. I've been doing this for 27 years, and when I first started my career in, 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 in law enforcement, I, I didn't know about the police culture. I didn't have a clue. And what I learned is the civilian side don't know that, and that's, how can I expect them to know that? So I try to explain certain things that we do. For example, one of the big things is that on the civilian side is why is it that you always walk up to a vehicle with your hand on your weapon? So. I try to put them in our shoes why we do that. And I show them a few videos and I say, okay, now you imagine that that's you that this is going to happen to. And then they realize like, okay, I I get that part. But at the same time, I talk about this. When we stop a car, we don't know if we're stopping a bad person, a good person. However, however, now, and I told the police side this, on the civilian side, what they're saying is we don't know we have a good cop or a bad cop behind us. So what we have in common is we both want to leave that traffic stop alive. So if that's the case, well, me as a policeman, I'm going to be held to a higher standard. i got to act a certain way, very professional. And we don't have them out there at times. We have all, not all of them. We have, we have people out there that don't, don't do what they're supposed to be doing. At the same time, on the civilian side, I explain to them, okay, this is what I want you to do, and please don't do certain things. But there are certain things that I want you to do, and I tell them flat out, I do it too. You know, I, I, majority of the time I'm not in uniform. And I have three kids, and I tell them the exact same thing. So I, I, I express that, and I make it clear. So when I heard that person make that statement, it was based on a video that I showed of an officer being shot. And that person was truly up angry, but it shocked me that they said something like that because I, I, I didn't imagine to hear that. It's the first time I heard something like that in my presence. So it took me back. Uh, but it was crystal clear. I did say, express yourself, and they did. Um, without being specific, can you describe one of the most challenging uh, or the most challenging group that you ever had to deal with and why? A, a most challenging group that I have to deal with? Police officers. As yeah. police officers? Yeah. Oh. <clears throat> one, of the, one of the themes that I've, that I've seen, I haven't really heard, but I could pick up on it, you know, uh, when you walk into a room and, and, and you are a person of rank, you know, you get the respect. And I appreciate that. But one of the things that I that I emphasize when we provide this training that is is PCs out the door. And I, I want you to talk to me, uh, not as Captain Barté. I want you to talk to me as your instructor, as, as a person that's going to facilitate this discussion. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and... There are times that that might be the most difficult thing to do because some people don't want to drop the guard. Some people don't want to be viewed as a negative just because they think certain things. So I could have anywhere of 30 to 40 to 50 people in the room trying to convince them, hey, you know, we're not going, I'm not going to judge you, but we both want to learn from each other. Mm-hmm. At times that might be difficult. So the challenging things for me to do is to really – put their fears to rest, that I'm not going to view them as an officer that is racist. That's not what I'm here to do. What I want to do is enlighten you on certain things that might be happening that you might not be aware of. Truly, the fear of people uh, of people of color is, is, tr- is real. Uh, 
and you might not get it, but let me show you certain things, certain certain incidents, certain events that people have lost their lives and why the fear is so real. And once I approach it in a certain way that is not offending anyone, that they don't have to have the shield up, that they're listening and say, okay, I'm not here to judge you, but I do want you to see, open up your eyes, I want you to understand the other side, see it from that point of view mm-hmm. and go from there. You know, when you, uh, you mentioned conducting, uh, okay, we're talking cultural sensitivity training. Yes, right? sir. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned uh, training down in Evansville mm-hmm. would be, uh, the audience makeup is different than what it is in Gary. True. Uh, now in Gary, <coughs> you probably have uh, people of color who look forward to that kind of training. Mm-hmm because they know some of their fellow officers can benefit from it. Whereas you go down to Evansville, you might get pushback or you might not be very well received. And so uh, what are the range of attitudes that you experience when you're dealing with an all white or predominantly white audience, I'm overwhelmingly white audience? I haven't really had pushback. But I could tell you what surprised me That's also as well. because you're a captain. Well, I, and you, you might have a point, but I do try to emphasize, okay, PC is out the door. Mm-hmm. And after a while, and, and the people that know me know that I'm not the person that, uh, 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 I'm gonna tell you one thing and then do something else. If I'm mm-hmm. telling you, let's put the PC out the door, I mean that, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hold any grudges uh, because I want this to work. You know, put it this way. If I provide a training in Indianapolis and that training doesn't go well, I guarantee you within the underground uh, communication that mm-hmm. we have, it will spread quickly. My credibility is shot. <clears throat> so when I tell them something, I mean it and I back it up. That way they understand that, okay, all right, we'll give you a, we'll give you a chance. I had an interesting – it's funny that you said that too because I, I had – I was in uh, uh, Bremen. No, I'll take it back. The, the toll road. I had two – black police officers come to me after the training and they said we got to go back to we got to go back to although I don't want to mention the post because I don't want to sting anybody up we got to go right. back and tell some of these young brothers that I've seen the presentation and there was nothing negative about the presentation period it shocked me I thought it'd be received well of people of color but apparently what was said I don't know so and these 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 are senior black officers now to answer your question as far as when the audience is predominantly white, I haven't had really pushback, to be honest, not at all. Uh, uh, a lot of the officers know me from the past experiences, uh-huh. uh, so I think that I have a, 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 a fairly understanding of, of trust there. Uh, a lot of the officers that, that, that are young receive this presentation from me as well. And by the way, let me, let me clarify something also. It's just not me by myself. My boss, he's, who's white, we do it as a team effort. Okay, uh, that's one of the things when he and I sat down, I asked him, you know, I really like to do this as a team effort because uh, since I'm not white, I, I, certain things I just don't know, mm-hmm. you know, but you do. Mm-hmm. And the same thing, since you're not black, mm-hmm. certain things that you don't know, yeah, but absolutely. I do. Right. So we teamed up. And it's funny, though, as we got better at this, you know, I mean, we would we would look at a particular video of a shooting and we would have different different opinions of it based on our backgrounds and experiences. And that that was the onset. That was a good thing though, right? That was a very good thing. 
And we both kind of learned from that tremendously mm-hmm. because he's looking at me and say, I don't see that. And I would say, I can't you. And he would say, well, I see this one. I like, I don't get that. <laughs> so it, it took us time. And let me tell you something. Now I learned a lot from those experiences because we will go, we will go to training and we will literally have our rooms close to each other because in the evening after the training, we will sit down purposely, look at different police shootings, and then come talk about that. And, and let me tell you, it would be heated conversations, but we wanted that. And it was very honest. Now, he's my boss, but when we talked about it, it wasn't boss talking to subordinate. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Very good. This is a really interesting topic. I'm learning a lot. Um, are there any measures or statistics that you that you can help you identify success stories? Oh, God, I, haven't, I don't have stats to, <laughs> to provide you to this evening. Um, but there's so many success stories out there that I, I that the media doesn't cover. I mean, something negative, and, and, and if something negative happens, we need to shine a light on that. I, I get that. I get that. But so much positive, positive events take place that the media really doesn't, doesn't cover it, you know, which is sad. You know, it, it truly is. There was one, I don't know if you saw it, it was on, uh, they, they, and I forgot what state it was. It was a black female. And she's frantically trying to her her baby her infant started stop breathing. Oh, I saw that. You see that? Did yeah, you see that? It yeah, went viral. Yeah. Yes, and that officer, mm-hmm. man, he just jumped in there. Mm-hmm. I don't care. It, it, you know what I want to say? And I, I would like to be in the state one day that we don't have to refer to to the color of the officer, but the officer was white, mm-hmm. and the female was black. The baby was black. Right. That officer saved that baby's life. You know, but right. that doesn't really get the attention that it should. There was another incident of a of a young man, artistic young man, black male, and uh, strong, big young man. <laughs> and his mother calls nine one one and says, "You know, I need an officer. My son is very upset. He's upset. I, I think she's mentioned, and don't quote me, that maybe he broke some furniture in the house. And it show it, you hear her, her her panic in her voice. Now, the next thing you know, you see an officer." Coming on duty, he hears over the radio that another officer made contact with this young man. And he could tell that it was about to get ugly here quickly. This officer shows up. Now, he did something that I found surprising. When he, when he, he actually, which I'm glad he did, mm-hmm. he actually took over and, and said, and, and said let, let me talk to the young man. And when he felt that he was safe, the young man was sitting down, and uh, the officer sat down in front of him. Now, for officer safety... He was at a disadvantage. That kid could have jumped up very quickly, but I wasn't there. He's there. He felt comfortable. He did that. But what he did was he saw him out of eye. He de-escalated the whole situation, and no one got hurt. And what I like about that is that he came back after the fact and developed a friendship with that young man. And you see him watching watch them playing basketball. Then the mother wanted to meet the officer and to thank him for what, you know, what, something could have really gone really array at that point. But of course. So, so you have uh, a case of de-escalation. Absolutely. Which is something that the black community has been calling for. Mm-hmm. And, and then you have community policing as a follow-up. Yep. Um, you know, also something we'd like to see more of. Um, what I wanted to ask you is, uh, that's pretty obvious, there is a mutual distrust and fear between law enforcement and the black community. So, and for, for black folks, it's, 
it goes back hundreds of years to the first slave patrols because as you you know that they, they morphed into modern day police departments mm-hmm. so that's an inherent fear that that black people have for law enforcement true but do you address why time after time white officers will go into a situation in in fear of a black person right off the bat when when uh it's not the same if they're confronting a white person what is what what is this fear based on that 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 they feel they have to immediately result to deadly force or we don't even have to go that far why officers so often go into a situation and their first instinct is to take this person down mm-hmm. you know it, it's it's a very complex and delicate uh topic so okay. you address that in your training though oh, oh, we, oh okay all the all, everything you just mentioned we, we talk about those things now now uh when i mentioned the freedom riders yeah is to illustrate the history of this but as you asked me that question i thought of something i don't know if you did you see that video the the clip where this is this is a, a large black officer hitting a the, the individual he hit i think he was either latino or black himself Walking into and it was some apartment complex or something, and he told the the, the young man to sit down or something. I can't remember what it was, and he he, he hit him with his fist mm-hmm. multiple times. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. It was, and, and that 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 looked ugly, and there was no need for that. And, and I'm saying to myself, what in the world is he doing? What is he thinking? So, just because you're a, a black officer doesn't mean that you know you have the the, the temperament and or What's the word? You're right for this job. In other words, not everyone is suited for this job. And 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 when I saw that that officer do what he did, I'm thinking to myself, you, you you're not you're not for this job. You're just not. Now, are there officers, black and white, that do things that shouldn't be done in this profession? Yes, but I could tell you in the 27 years that I've done that, it's been very few that I've personally seen. Uh, white officers engaged in that mannerism. It, it's very few. Now, when I now keep in mind where I worked at, I worked, <laughs> I worked in predominantly all white area with all white officers. That's why I say that. Where I was the only black officer there. And now behind my back, or maybe I don't know. I haven't heard it. I haven't seen it. Uh, uh, but I could tell you that. That for the few, the majority do pay the price, and that that's the part that is hard to address because when you, the media is a very strong thing. I mean, when you see something on in in in, in, uh, in uh, social media that spreads so fast, that carries a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. I just wish that they're going to do that, show the positive side as well, because we, for example, the Black Expo in Indianapolis. Indianapolis. As a as an assistant commander, when I worked that detail, I could tell you when the majority of the officers there were white. But we had we had black officers, but the majority were white troopers working that detail. And in the convention center, it's not a policing thing; it's it's just PR. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed that our guys work that majority the white officers because they interact with black people of color in a very positive environment. And it wasn't that I wanted them to. Uh, not engage people. That's what I want them to do. You engage and you socialize and just just talk. But I didn't want them walking around like five deep, fifteen deep. You know, two at a time. That's good. 
but your main thing was to go out there and talk to people. And it's amazing that in the beginning of the detail, you see officers and and black customers coming into the to the event, thinking like, "What's you know, kind of, kind of uh, uh, standoffish type of deal." Mm-hmm. And at the end of the event, three days, fr- no Thursday, Friday, by Sunday, you see people friendships developing, and we come back the next year, and it continues. So, if you have people of color and white officers in an event as a black expo, and no problems whatsoever, it's 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 definitely doable. But the media doesn't cover that; you, they don't show that. Now, the park event is another one. We work that park. Uh, we have the free concert outside. Yeah, you know, we don't have a problem. Now we do have to at that point be a little more. Uh, 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 for example, we're not allowed to to grill. You know, we want you you can't grill in the park like that, but you might set something on fire. Okay, you, you're not allowed to uh, uh, stand in a certain way that you're blocking people behind you the view in the stage or open an umbrella because you just it's just right. it's just inconvenient for the people. But when we approach someone, we explain to them why. I mean, that's the main thing. Explain why, and then make sure that they comply. But explain first. And normally, you don't have a problem that way. Now you have people that you know do certain things they shouldn't be doing, and we have to address that individual. Not everyone, but that individual. So we really haven't had an issue. But the media doesn't really cover that as well. And we do that every year. Okay. That's interesting. So in, in the training that, that you... Uh, that you're involved in, mm-hmm. how do you address that mistrust between the black community and law enforcement? Well, I, I start with that video, okay? And I, sh- I will show uh, video clips of where, uh, at the first glance, it looks really bad what the police did. And then we discuss it. And then we discuss what other options do you have instead of doing what this officer did. And now, I I explain to the officers, listen, I'm not judging that particular individual because I wasn't there. But there's certain things that you cannot walk away and say, wait a minute, that, that doesn't look good at all. There's no way I could even even think of defending something. For example, Charleston, the uh, black individual was running away, that officer. Walter Scott. Mm-hmm. You, you, you just, no one that I know tries to defend that. There's just no way. But there are other incidents that the media will show a small clip and I give you the full picture. So we discuss those and give other avenues of what else do you, what else can you do? And think about it now because if you are put in that situation, I expect you to at least think outside the box. I know you have to make explicit decisions, but if, you're, if, 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 if your life is not in danger, the life of another person is not in danger, there's nothing with slowing things down. And if you think you, another officer is better suited to address that situation, by all means, don't let the ego kick in. Let's step it down a notch on both ends. Interesting. Just out of curiosity, with listening to all that you're saying, do you think that police community relations would be somewhat better if, for example, those that live in the community that they are you know, overlooking and overseeing um, would be more suited for that community? So, for example... Um, you know, when people talk about, you know, the disparities and, you know, white officers coming into black communities and instantly thinking that they're this authoritative person um, to come in and they're immediately guards up because, you know, they don't think that they know what's going on. And so it, those kind of things. 
do you think that that could help relations between police community or you know the between the police and the community how do you see that happening uh, it, you're asking me how do I see the relationship of the police and the community uh, improving based on the officer that works in that community? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That happens to be a white officer. Mm-hmm. Well, I t- I'm sorry. Good question. Uh, I tell you, it, you know, it's funny though. It people skills is people skills. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I use the analogy as this: I could take a white correction officer and put him in Gary. And that correction officer is going to do a good job. Mm-hmm. Reason being is that, and I'm not. I'm, and get me. Don't let me understand. I'm not. Uh, 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 downplaying or, or or making any excuses for mm-hmm. my, my my white brothers that are police officers, but all I'm saying is this: is that uh, communication is the key thing right now, in my opinion. And when you arm someone, you know, you have to have a lot of self control not right. to go to your weapon first. And I get that, mm-hmm. and a lot of white officers get that as well. And I go back again. Unfortunately. When you have the, neg- the negative negativity of certain officers do certain things they shouldn't be doing, it just it just it has a ripple effect for all of us, you know. So one of the main things when 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 we mentioned the escalation, oh goodness, we pushed that, and 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 to be honest with you, in fact, right now we're getting ready for a second program that we're going to push out as well, which t- which pushes the escalation, because there are things that we are trained to do that the public doesn't understand and wouldn't understand because and, and no fault of theirs we didn't do a good job to saying certain things or or uh doing certain things certain way mm-hmm. um but going back again if you're a correction officer you don't have a weapon on you so you got to depend on your verbal skills mm-hmm. that's what we want to push with with the officers out in the street mm-hmm. one thing that I, I i like for example indianapolis and, and here in bloomington as well you have a lot of officers on foot patrol as well just mm-hmm. just walking out to the vehicles, and in fact, and then the, the new, the, the, a lot of the new officers, that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they're assigned a certain community and, and you walk and you get to know that community. In an app is right now, for example, and I'm using an app for example, is because we do have troops that, that we bring them from different parts of the state and, and, and work with in an police off, an app's police department in the black community specifically. And it's refreshing when I hear white uh, commanders, white commanders and officers, white officers say, you know, I can't tell, and this is in the classroom, they volunteer this, because I didn't know. It's refreshing when, when, when I see the black community come to me and thank me for, for locking up the bad guy, but not treating me, mistreating me. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, yes. But at the same time, I'm hearing it. But the, the, the vast majority of the people I'm not hearing that in the social in the media, they're not hearing that. This is a two separate officers and two separate training telling me that. And I know for a fact that we are assisting in the black community. So when I hear that black individual pulling them to the side and say, "Hey, thank you for doing what yeah. you're doing," that feels good. But I just wish more people could hear that. Yeah, you know, you you've been on the show several times. Just what, like four or five times? Oh, I lost track. track. (laughs) More than that, probably. But uh, I keep saying there's something that 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 I've been wanting to say, and it seems like we always run out of time. We do, you know. But anyway, I personally believe that most police officers are hardworking and want to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think where the the community or public trust is broken 
is because you got a few bad apples that make the whole department look bad. But what happens is invariably the entire police department will circle the wagons around that bad apple and defend and protect him. Mm. The The fraternal order of police is usually the first, and I know that's not mm-hmm. active police police officers, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But they're usually the first ones out there to offer up a defense, and they get to shape the narrative for the rest of you, whether you believe that officer was right or not. The FOP is the first one out there defending this guy, um, uh, supporting him, and I think in some cases even provide financial assistance. But at the end of the day, the community is what what is viewed through the community lens is that the uh, uh, law enforcement uh, supports this guy who just beat the crap out of this uh, young man or shot this young man, uh, unarmed young man, or, or or had a young girl on the ground with his knee in her, in her back. So how, how how do you um how do you deal with that? How do you address that? You know that that when that happens, it it, it, it I think it just makes things worse at times. You know because sometimes mm-hmm. the best thing to do is it, just to let 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 the actual investigation take its course and let's just deal with the facts. And when when you defend something that you don't have the facts yet, you know because on the one that we 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 investigate and then we provide the facts or evidence to the prosecutor's office and let them determine what grounds do we what what what's the next step at that point? And too many times we jump in not having all the facts and say certain things that really make things worse. Now, as far as defending someone that actually uh, it appears that they did something wrong, because at this point. We don't have all the facts, you know. That can't be controlled by all of any one of us. I, how do you how do you how do you control that? Does it look good? No, it does not. Does it work? It does not. What is what what is the learning point at this point? Then at this, you know, the 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 individual that's saying certain things is not speaking for all of us. It's just no way. Now I was hearing one show. I remember, I, and I think you you asked a question, and I forgot the. Yeah, I'm always asking questions. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot the question. I had I had my uh, one of my, in fact, he was a ship partner of mine, a white trooper, and Officer I think. Journal. Yes, and he said to you, either to you, I forgot how you said it, but he said, you know, the day that I have to do something that, that is either is illegal or immoral, that's the day I turn in my badge. He's, I remember that, and I know him for a long time, and he was not he. he 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 was he's being straight up honest, and many of the people that I that I know and work with, not only for the state police but throughout the state that I personally trained and 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 and, and worked with, they have that sentiment. They they just don't believe uh, uh, to support any negative officer. It's just it's just that's just not the way you know they they view things like that. Mm-hmm. And and let's say, for example, because I, 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 get, I, I get this question a lot as well when I talk to the community. He says, we want to make sure officers are being held accountable. I say, yeah, I want to hold themselves accountable as well because I don't want to be part of something that's going to tarnish my last name. I have kids. I don't want their last name to be tarnished because of me. So if I see something, oh, I'm going to do something about it. And 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 believe me, uh, uh I'm resp- at my level. I'm required to do something. But even if it wasn't the captain, I don't want to see something like that, you know, because that could be one of my own, mm-hmm. you know, or me. Or and and it's sad, you know. I give you another story. I went out to visit my my mom in New York City, 
and this, she's driving me to the airport, her and her husband. And and here, I'm not used to Easy Pass. I, I haven't used that in a long time, but I haven't lived in New York for a long time. So, and all that is where you have to put the, the I don't know. That. Like in your windshield. Yes. And you get yes. to skip all the tolls a- exactly. and things like that. Yeah. Well, that, that, that morning, uh, he forgot to put it up there. Because my mother likes to put it in the golf compartment so no one yeah. steals it. Because they'll, over there in New York City, they'll break the windshield and take that from yeah. people. Okay? So we get to the, t- and, and he, he's my, my mother's husband says, can you grab that? And I'm, I'm grabbing, I'm thinking, what's the urgency? So I give it to him, he puts it up there. By that point, the officer, a black officer, walks up. And I felt so bad because immediately, I go, I'm looking at his body tone, I'm thinking, oh God, he's upset. I'm thinking, it's just an easy pass. What's, so, he, he walks over, and automatically his tone of voice. I said, "Off," and I I spoke up. There, I said, oh, "And I'm in the passion." I said, "Officer, I apologize. It's my fault. I didn't realize they had to have it up there. That was going to cause you to walk out here." And he just started berating the driver. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, "Okay, how do I hold this man accountable now?" And I'm going back home to Indiana because if I open that page, I'm not there to to right. actually follow through it. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking to myself, "Wow." You know, so that's why one of the things that when we talk to the to the to the uh, community is that okay, if you have a, if you mistreated, do everything you can to do not get into verbal confrontation at that point. But let's go this go through the steps what you could do after the fact. Mm-hmm. But the main thing is leaving that traffic stop alive, and we hit on that as well. But 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 that opened my eyes in the sense that was I, I've been stopped before and I know how I've been treated. But you know it hits home when that has been mm-hmm. to your mm-hmm. you know. So but so that's why I'm saying when I hear the stories, I'm, that's, I, I truly truly get it. Great! Wow, that's interesting. That's this is a good topic. Um, you know, in the uh, I said at the beginning we were going to talk about uh, Antoine Rose a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. So and that's a young black man was shot in the back. Um, an investigation is underway and all the facts have not been uh, revealed yet. Mm-hmm. However, <clears throat> the early facts in just the three seconds of that video, young black man running away, pop, 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 shot uh, in the back, killed. Mm-hmm. Th- that's what we do know. And that little bit is all too familiar in uh, confrontations with between blacks and and police so is that the the type of uh situation that your training is trying to address that that's part of it that that's the extreme that 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 that, that, that is part of it because when i mentioned that 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 this job is not for everyone Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that that we talk about how things look so bad from the onset, but we also said let the investigation play out. Now that right there, I tell you, when I, I when I saw it, I lost words. What do you say? It looks bad. Period. And and, and my heart just goes out to the the, the parents of that young man. Um, that officer don't know what I looked at. Looks 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 bad. Looks bad. Uh, and that's the fear. And that's the world we live in right now. And one of the things that that we try to address is that I want to I want the officers to try to understand this fear is real. Uh, people are, when people are afraid to do things they shouldn't be doing, you know, um, and we have to show a lot of restraint. I mean, you you that officer right there. I don't know what was going through his mind. I don't know his background. Uh, they said that he was uh, 
been on the job for that department uh, fairly new, but the thing is, he's a seven-year veteran from yeah. other departments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't know. You know, what do you say? It, it doesn't look good. That's a tough uh, one. He, he, well, one thing, it needs to be investigated. He needs to be held accountable. And and that that's the uh, overriding fear in the black community that he will not be held accountable. Well, he should. Let's wait and see because at this point we don't know. Now, one of the things that when you mentioned that in the black community, this is the thing: protesting. I, 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 it needs to be light. Needs to be shed on what happened. But I saw something else as well. I, there's a police car trying to leave the scene. I think it was going somewhere else, and, and you see a group of people just trying to stop that car. And I'm thinking to myself, that's just going to, you're just throwing gasoline on the fire. I mean, what, what, what if that officer, we don't know who, we don't even know his mindset. Mm. And he hits the pedal on that gas. Thank God he didn't do that. But I'm thinking to myself, you know, that person driving that car used restraint because he, he was surrounded. And that, 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 that crowd was not happy. I got to go back and look at that. I, I didn't catch you that You catch part. that one? Mm-hmm. Okay. No. So just real quick, because I know we're wrapping up, we've mentioned in this in this great conversation that the relationship, especially between the black community and law enforcement, it seems broken. And then time and time again with, you know, Antoine Rose happening, um, Stephen Clark, that happened. We keep seeing this narrative Mm -hmm. of police, you know, using their force and not being held accountable and, you know, it, it looks like and another one mm-hmm, and another one mm-hmm, and another mm-hmm. one. And you also have mentioned how, you know, the civilian side and the community side don't really understand, you know, law enforcement side. And I think eventually community wants to see that. But right now mm-hmm. they're blindsided because they can't because of everything that they've been seeing so far. So just as you know, as a closing, how do you see what would be your advice on how we can better law enforcement relationship and community relationship, especially when it comes to black community. Mm -hmm. You know, I tell you, and again, I have to remind myself because so much negativity as far as seeing the negative side, Mm -hmm. you know, and don't get me wrong, what happened, what just happened, we just saw on TV, that's bad. I just wish it was a balance to it because we have so much good stories between the black community and the police. It's a lot out there. We just don't see it. I mean, I just mentioned two in the short period of time I've been with you. But there's a whole lot more out there. When I mentioned the event of the, the, ex, the Black Expo brings in a lot of black people to Indianapolis. And you don't hear any events happening in the Black Expo with the police. Mm-hmm. So for the few, I just I, I, it really bothers me that the majority is paying for this. And for example, I, I, I mentioned I personally have been even here in Bloomington. I talked to the community and... and Share with me some of the fears, some of the experience that they had. Get it, get it. At the same time, I have brought officers to meet with them as well. I said, okay, let's talk. One event, uh, First Baptist Church, um, I invited several different agencies. I invited IU, Police Department, Bloomington Police Department, the conservation uh, officer as well. Yeah. And had them bring their equipment in and had the kids just talk to them. If you could see how the kids interacted. One young man, black male, I said, you know, he got in my police car. I said, boy, you, you look good in this. And he says, uh, he says, you think I'll be a troop? I said, oh, yeah, no doubt. And it, I walk in thinking, 
why would he not even think it could be a troop, you know? So now, when I when I go out and talk, I I'll, I try to use it. Hey, when I talk, any young man and want to be, I have applications. Let's do a little recruiting. Huh? Hey, there you go. There you go. Exactly. <clears throat> okay. Well, uh, Ruben, we covered a lot of ground tonight, yes. and uh, I just want to say I think that we're doing our part to try and absolutely foster better relations between no. police and the community, which is why you've been on here so many times before and hopefully you'll be on here uh, oh absolutely many mm-hmm. times in the future no I appreciate what you're doing because I, I I like to get the word deposit all the facts out so with that our thanks to Indiana State Police Captain Ruben Marte who has worked extensively to improve police and community relations he joined us for an extensive conversation and to elaborate on a culturally sensitive training series that he designed specifically for state police troopers Bring It On has an open submission policy, so if you have an idea for this program, let's hear it. Send an email to our volunteer staff, and that address is bringiton at wfhb.org. We want to make sure that we share everything and anything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. The email address, once again, is bringiton at wfhb.org. Support for WFHB comes from Morrison's Appliances and Service at 900 West Kirkwood Avenue. Morrison's, serving Bloomington since 1950. More information online at morrisonsapplicesandservices.com. From Blue Magazine, Blue Magazine's website features news stories posted every day, including a guide to the local dining scene. More information at magbloom.com. Bloomington's community website. And from Stafford Law Office, LLC, offering family law representation, collaborative law, and mediation. Practicing in Monroe, Owen, Lawrence, Green, and Brown counties. Located on Bloomington's near west side at 714 West Kirkwood Avenue. More information can be found online at Stratford.legal. To keep up with local news and find out what's happening behind the scenes at WFHB, you're invited to like our WFHB Facebook page. Simply go to Facebook.com and search for WFHB, or you can always visit the WFHB news website at WFHB.org news. Bring It On is Indiana's only public affairs program dedicated to the African-American community here on WFHB 91.3 FM and live on the web at WFHB.org. For Bring It On, I'm Jennifer Crossley. And I'm William Hosea. Also at the top of the hour, we shared that uh, Mr. Rafi Hassan, director of the Office of Safe and Civil Cities, will be joining us to shed light on upcoming events of interest for African-Americans in Bloomington. So, Mr. Hassan, it's, it's been a minute. Absolutely. How you been? Good, good. So so tell me, is the city still safe and civil? 
<laughs> the city is safe and civil. And okay. again, these are ongoing things. So okay. We recognize that it's an exercise. Mm-hmm. So talk to us. What, what, you, what do you want to share with us tonight? Well, first, I want to give a big birthday shout-out, Earth Day shout-out to Dr. James Mumford. It's his birthday today. Oh, happy, happy birthday, birthday, Dr. Mumford. I hope yeah. he's listening. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope so. I hope so, too. So, um, But there's a lot going on in the community, and I'm glad to be here. Um, I want to remind just our listening audience that um, you can always befriend me uh, on Facebook at Bloomington, a safe and civil city. Um, for any of the information that I'm going to to run down, um, as well as um, go to the Community and Family Resources Department on Facebook to get any information about the programs that are kind of going on in the community. But uh, to start, we'd like to remind everybody to notify the City of Bloomington about issues such as potholes, graffiti, malfunctioning street lights, and so forth. At U-Report, you want to go to www.bloomington.in.gov forward slash U, as in uh, just simply the letter U, report. Um, The Department of Housing and Neighborhood Development has Citizens Academy that they'll take, they're currently taking applications for up to July 9th. This is um, various city departments and uh, learning how and what the challenges are of local government in terms of budget limitations and simply day-to-day operations. You can go to www.bloomington.in.gov forward slash citizens hyphen academy, A-C-A-D-E-M-Y. I want to remind everybody uh, that to beat the heat, make sure you go to public spaces where the buildings are air conditioned. I'm glad that the Monroe County Public Library uh, uh, is one of those places as well as, uh, again, coming to uh, uh, City Hall if, if uh, necessary. Um, people like the Shalom, or excuse me, um, individuals and guests at the Shalom Center are in particular need of water bottles and uh, towels. So uh, for more questions, please get in contact with them. In terms of your conversation that you had with Captain Marte, I'm uh-huh. glad to announce that the uh, Bloomington Police Department's Citizens Police Academy has taken applications up until uh, July 1st. The Citizens, right? yep, the Citizens Police Academy is designed to educate citizens about operations, methods, and goals of the Bloomington Police Department to enhance communication and understanding between the community and police. They also have the uh, Teen Academy that's happening. This is for young people ages 13 through 17, again, to learn uh, law enforcement in general and specifically how the Bloomington Police Department operates. Again, the uh, uh, applications are due on July 1st, um, and uh, the sessions will run from 8 to 5 at the city's uh, public training center. Again, you can go to the uh, city's police department or or the police department website to get more information about the program. Again, applications are due uh, July 1st. I'm glad to um, uh, highlight a few things that are happening with the Commission on the Status of Black Males, the Read for 200. This is the Bicentennial Literacy uh, Reading Initiative in partnership with the Monroe County, uh, uh, Monroe County United Way, as well as the Monroe County uh, Community School Corporation. Um, we ha- the commission has a play coming up this Saturday. Um, 
Is Cornelius uh, involved Cor- in that? Cornelius Wright is the uh, <laughs> orange crayon uh, in a book, uh, uh, or excuse me, in a play based on the book called The Day the Crayons Quit. It's directed by Isidore Torrey. It'll take place again June 30th. Uh, City Hall in the atrium, there'll, there'll be two performances given, one at 10 and the uh, the other at noon. So excited that the commission... Yeah, Mr. Isidore Torres on a roll, isn't yeah, he? Yes, yes, he is. And um, it, it promises to be entertaining, um, to volunteer with the uh, Read for 200 Literacy Initiative. Please visit uh, www.bloomington.in.gov forward slash CSBM. Um, Again, just for more information about the Read for 200, you can also, uh, a listening audience can also befriend the uh, Commission on the Status of Black Males on their Facebook page. Uh, July 1st, the Commission will begin recruitment for the Million Father March. Last year was the first year that they were a part of this. This is a part of the uh, Black Star Project's Million Father March, which is a national initiative um, that began in 2004 in Chicago. And, and for the most part, it's about welcoming young people back on the first day of school this year. Um, that'll be Wednesday, uh, August 8th. Um, we're hoping to get at least 60 father figures, mentors, role models, and so forth to participate in that. So How many did you have last year? Last year we had about 15, but we got the, the commission on the status of black males received over, I'll say, 9,000 hits <clears throat> on social media. Yeah. So it caught on. Um, you can count me in this year. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you again. Um, just to be a part of that, because we are welcoming uh, young people at the schools, a background check uh, is necessary. You can visit the administration building anytime between 8 and uh, 4 p.m. at 1350 East North Drive um, and just complete that supervised back background check form. So a lot of exciting stuff happening. Yeah. Um, is there a school, like a particular school this year that you guys are focused on? Well, so what we want to do is identify how many volunteers we're able to get. And the goal is possibly to be at more than one school. Uh, but we want to make sure we just have a nice number. So, yep. So a lot of exciting stuff. Um, lastly, I would like to announce that um, as a part of the Nonviolent Civic Engagement Initiative, we'll be hosting... Uh, uh, Daryl Davis, um, as well as Maureen Walker. Daryl Davis is a, a blues. Name. He's a blues mu- musician, but he uh, has. I don't want to call it an interesting hobby, but in the air in the area of just simply bridge bridge building um, and community relation, he collects clan uniforms. So he's a person that actually has had conversations with members of the Ku Klux Klan. With, and the goal is obviously to, to attempt to kind of build from ideologically entrenched positions toward, um, you know, community discourse. And so that'll take place again um, sometime in August. Uh, check us out. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on with the Community and Family Resources Department and the Safe and Civil City Program. So, yeah, it's lots of ways for people to get excited about. So, Okay, um, very comprehensive update. We thank you for that information, and I'm sure you'll be 
feeding us more and more than information uh, as we do our weekly shows. Absolutely. Absolutely. uh, Help you get the word out. Thank you so much for having me. And with that, our thanks to Rafi Hassan, director of the Office of Safe and Civil Cities, for those updates. If you have an event or happening the African-American community should know about, please send that info directly to the Bring It On staff. Or if you want additional information, about a calendar item that you've heard tonight, you can contact us at bringiton at wfhb.org. Also, our thanks to Indiana State Police Captain Ruben Marte, who has worked extensively to improve police and community relations. He joined us for an extensive conversation to discuss, among other topics, a culturally sensitive training series he designed specifically for state police troopers. Our show's producer is Clarence Boone with help from WFHB News Department Director Wes Martin. Our board engineer is Chris Martin. Our original theme music was created by Jamil Effiam with additional background tracks by David Baker. For WFHB, I am William Hosea. And I am Jennifer Crossley. Tune in next Monday, July 2nd at 6 p.m. for another exciting edition of Bring It On right here on your community radio station, WFHB. You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.